Hello everyone and welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. For those of you that are new here, I just want to start off by saying thank you for tuning in to today's episode and I am your host, Ethan Bridge. On today's episode of the podcast, I am welcoming Eric Sausenstein. Eric's journey is something incredibly special and signifies in such a powerful way the process and possibility of change. He struggled and battled with drug addiction, anxiety and greed. His life spiralled out of control and he found himself in the courtroom facing some serious time. Eric was sentenced to four years in prison and made a decision to do whatever it was going to take to transform his life. He spent his time relentlessly pursuing and studying personal development. He spent his time day and night changing, tweaking and rewriting himself to match the future self he wanted to create. Eric wanted change. As he started to create these changes down to the way he was physically walking, he had a desire to share this with others. He started speaking from stage and was even published in a local newspaper whilst incarcerated for a speech contest against two other prisons. He started coaching, running workshops and mastermind groups for the other inmates in hopes that they would too make a decision to change. As I mentioned, Eric's journey is inspiring and I can't wait for you all to listen to what he has to say. So without any further ado, let's dive straight into the episode. Enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome back to the CEO Journals podcast. I cannot wait for this episode today because I am talking to Eric Salzenstein. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to be here and uh, ready to jam out with you for a bit. Of course, and I'm super happy to have you on the show, so thank you for joining me. So, for the listeners that don't know who you are, would you mind just giving a quick 60-second introduction of who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Eric Salzenstein and I'm from Orlando, Florida. I'm 29 years old and I am two and a half years out of prison. So that's a big component of my story and what I do every day and how I show up for the world. And uh, today on the CEO Journal podcast, we're going to dive into that and uh, I'll shed a little bit more light on, on how my prison experience and those tough times of adversity uh, has actually allowed me to be the happiest I've ever been and operating in the best place uh, that, that I ever have. Of course. And I actually cannot wait to get into this conversation because I, I don't know anyone personally that's actually been to prison. It's, um, live, I, I don't want to sound too cliche and say I live in a nice neighborhood and things like that because obviously there are people that do end up going down that route, but I've never had the chance to speak to someone that's actually been in prison. So I've got I can't tell you how many questions I'm here for you man yeah let's let's do it fire away I can't wait to dive into it but the way I like to start all my episodes is throwing it back with my guests a little bit and asking them about their their childhood so let's focus on a 14 year old version of yourself and particularly let's say in school so were you a straight A student were you the class clown or were you just bang average coasted along did what you needed to do yeah, you, you nailed it. I was second one. I'm, I was class clown for sure. Always craving attention, uh, always looking to stand out, make people laugh. Um, you know, I definitely wasn't the easiest student, but um, it's interesting all through grade school, high school, I basically did the bare minimum to get by. I was way more focused on like the social dynamics than I was the academics. Um, also sports at a younger age was a big part of my life. But, um, 
but I would leading up to a test, like I would basically just at the very last minute cram and I would get, you know, enough to pass and keep it moving. Right. So it's like I put in all through school, I put in just enough to get the C, B or A, wherever it was, depending on the subject and how, you know, where I was at with it. But that, that would, uh, I would sum up academics like that. So even though you didn't really try as such and just coasted by, would you say you were quite naturally gifted in the fact that you could pass without, with little effort? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's my mom always said, if you just applied, you would have crushed it, you know, but I just didn't care enough to, I guess, at the, at those early ages. Do you wish you had though? Because I, I could, I was the same thing, but um, I mean, I got good grades, but I could have got, if I actually just tried and actually revised for my exams and put the work in, I could have done way better than I actually did. So do you wish looking back now as an adult, do you wish God, it was only like six years of my life? Why on earth did I not put the effort in? <laughs> I, I definitely, uh, I'd say that looking back, I wish I would have had a, just a more mature outlook on everything. Um, cause I just didn't take anything seriously. And, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for all the pain and all the challenges and all the obstacles I've, I've gone through because it's made me who I am today. And I'm, I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, but as far as just specifically with academics, I definitely wish I would have had a little bit more of a mature outlook on school itself than I did back in those days. For sure. So where did it all start going downhill then? Yeah, so that's, that's it. That's the question. So I'd say uh, sixth grade, I was playing, uh, I was heavy into sports all through grade school. Basketball was my bread and butter. And uh, starting point guard, I, I mean, I was, I, I was definitely, I excelled in that sport. Uh, when you're younger, your height really doesn't play as big of a, a, mm-hmm. of a role as it does later, right? So I was, uh, I was still good at that point. And so at sixth grade, I was actually playing up with eighth graders who were at a public school. So being, growing up, I went to a private Catholic school from first grade to seventh grade. So I'm in sixth grade and I was actually playing with public school kids who were in eighth grade. I was on two different traveling teams and um, I mean, yeah, it's just very involved. And so I was exposed to weed in sixth grade because I'd go over to these guys' houses on the weekends after our games and, you know, they were already smoking a little bit, you know, we were drinking a little bit. And so I was exposed to, to, to pot and alcohol in sixth grade and I tried it and I liked it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I could, I mean, this is, you know, all right. And so sixth grade was the first time I kind of was, I was exposed to that stuff. Um, and then the, the next thing that really took place that kind of molded and um, brought me further down that, that whole path was in eighth grade, I started, uh, I dove into that, uh, I developed an entrepreneurial spirit. So um, I started selling candy and um, I started selling uh, CDs, mixed CDs at my school. So I was going around and I had this candy book bag full of candy and, and, and then I'd have my catalog with color coded CDs that you could purchase. And I mean, like this was like a full functioning business for an eighth grader and I was still smoking weed here and there. And this is just, again, when I was really just starting to like the social butterfly, so to speak, and the entrepreneurial spirit and the, you know, living life on the edge a little bit with, with the smoking and just having fun, you know. And so ninth grade comes freshman year and it's no longer cool to sell candy at high school. Like that's not a cool thing to do. Right. And, um, so at that point wasn't selling candy more. I wasn't selling CDs anymore. Uh, basketball, I was starting to feel a little burnt out. I was starting, it was starting to lose its, its, uh, it's just 
I was getting tired of it, man. I wanted, I was like, I had been playing for so many years, multiple teams at a time. So we're talking two to three practices a week, two to three games on the weekend. Um, and, and I was just ready to kind of put it on hold and pay more attention to my friends, you know, whatever the case was. And so freshman year, I, I stopped playing basketball and I took up selling weed. And what I did in my mind, I said to myself, Eric, you're already smoking it. So you might as well just start selling a little bit on the side and, you know, you, you'll be the guy who has it. So that way we don't have to go search for it. Your friends, you know, I got it. I, you know, I'm right here. And, um, so that's where it started, man. And it started with just simply selling a little bit. It started with just smoking it. Then I went to just selling a little bit of it and then it just snowballed. And I, I started having, you know, younger kids underneath me as I was going up in grade, they'd start selling for me. I started brief, uh, once I got my car, I started branching out to other high schools and I was selling to other high schools. And this thing just like took on a whole life of its own. And by the end of, uh, you know, by my senior year, I was like, you know, selling, pounds and pounds of weed and just uh yeah I was it, it just it snowballed out of control did you know what you were getting yourself into no idea no idea so I it, thought it was so har- harmless at the start man completely harmless at the start so did was it more of not an addiction to the consumption but you just got addicted to the money of it as well i suppose you saw so i'll tell you this is interesting i i discovered this in my 4 years in prison like uh, as far as like self reflection so the two big base desires that i wanted was i wanted to feel needed and wanted by my peers mm. i wanted to feel needed and wanted by my peers and then another base desire that i was always searching for and this goes way back to grade school with the class clown i wanted to be the center of attention I wanted the spotlight on me, right? And so because I craved that and because I wanted to feel needed and wanted, drug dealing gives you that, gives you the center of attention. Your phone's always ringing. People need you. They want you. So I was filling these base desires by selling these drugs. And um, yeah, that's, that's besides the actual partying and the getting high and the money, that was what was fueling the whole thing. So how did you end up getting arrested? Did someone snitch on you or did you, what, what happened? Yeah. So after high school, I was introduced, um, we had a pill epidemic that swept through Florida. Uh, there's a bunch of documentaries on it. One of the big ones is called the, uh, Oxycontin express. And what was happening was these doctors were over prescribing and in many, many cases, the dirty doctors, they were prescribing heavy pain medication oxycodons, uh, roxycodons, uh, muscle relaxers, Xanax. They were prescribing this, this like package deal to just anybody who came in with an MRI. Like they, this was a corrupt thing and people were flying down from all over the States to Florida to get their prescription pills and then sending them back up to their, wherever they were from. This was a huge thing. And so somebody who I was selling weed to all through high school, she came to me and she said, Hey, um, my mom is involved in this and she needs help right now because the guy who was helping her out and paying, paying for her doctor visits, he's no longer in the picture. And I know you're selling some weed, so I don't know if you'd be interested in, in the pills. And I'm like, I had no idea what these things were. I, I was, it was 18 or my, I think I was like late 18 years old, just, at, just after, after high school. I had no idea what these things were. I knew what Xanax was, I knew, but I didn't know what the, the oxys were. And so 
I said, all right, well, how much are we talking here? And so when I looked at the numbers, again, like my mind didn't think, hey, this is something that could really devastate your life. This is mm -hmm. something that could destroy you. Like my mind didn't, it was just, this is a great way of making some money right here. Like, you know, you're already selling the weed. And so I went ahead and did it. I took action and um, I took her to the doctor. We got a full prescription. I broke her off some and then I went on and basically that then snowballed. And I was taking women more than one to different doctors and I was sponsoring them to get these pills. And then I turn around. Yeah. Like it was an absolute just, man, I went down vicious, vicious cycle of, uh, of addiction because I started using these things. So it was like one hand washes the other where I'm, I'm getting high and I'm using these and I built up this dependence on them to function and to live. And, and then the other part was like, I lived by my phone. I lived off of, you know, like selling these things like every single day, it was the exact same thing in and out. I mean, I was, it, one of the lines I say in my, in my speech is I was in prison long before I went to prison. Like I had lost my freedom long before that day in the courtroom because of my addiction, because of the greed, because of the anxiety that I had built up, the paranoia, all the things that kept me confined, uh, were built up over time. So I, yeah, it's, it was definitely got out of hand. I find that super fascinating that you say you lost your freedom before you actually lost it before you go to prison because people normally one of the goals people set themselves and the reason they make money is for that financial freedom so they can do whatever you want. And that was probably somewhere in your mind when you were selling these drugs and you were thinking, right, I've got all this money. I am essentially financially free at that point. You were what other people's definition of freedom. You were at that point, but you personally knew that you had already lost your freedom because of different factors. So it's really I find that a really interesting way of putting. So when you were in your, when you were, had your court hearing and they sentenced you to four years, what was your instant feeling? What was, how did you feel? Yeah, man. I, so I was facing uh, the, the actual charge uh, wasn't for the selling of drugs. It was uh, for armed robbery uh, in, in a drug deal gone bad. So I was arrested for armed robbery. Detectives labeled it as a drug deal gone bad. And, and, and in Florida, that's a punishable by life offense. Um, if you had multiple felonies and then you get an armed robbery, chances are you're going to get life because you've shown that you're not, you're just, uh, you know, and so for me, um, we knew I wasn't going to get life. We knew I wasn't going to get 30, you know, anything too crazy because this was the first time that I had caught a serious felony charge. You know, I had some prior misdemeanors, little run-ins, you know, mm -hmm. petty stuff, but this was the first serious charge. And so we knew I wasn't going to get the crazy numbers, but we were realistically thinking around 10 years or so. So I was, I mean, my family was a wreck. Um, you know, my, my growing up, you got to remember, I went to a private Catholic school. My mom, she raised me, you know, with God, my dad, he raised me with sports. So like I came from a good home, a loving family. Like I shouldn't have been in that position, but I had just checked out. I went down this deep end and there was no stopping me. And so I'm in County jail. I remember, I remember this one day I got on the phone with my dad and, um, I basically told him, I said, pops, like, I have no idea how much time I'm going to get. Um, but I want you to know that I really, really want to change my life. Like I came to acceptance. I finally came to this like aha moment. Like this is what I need. I've got to go to prison because I can't function out here. Like I've been screwing up for years and years and years. Like this is, I guess what I need. And so I kind of took ownership and I, I just remember telling him like, I want the exact amount of time that I'm supposed to have that God wants me to have. 
in order to change my life. Like I remember saying, and, and, and he was just like, all right, you know, we're going to do this. And it was maybe like two months later that the state came to me and offered me the four year, uh, plea deal. And at that point I was just you know, we accepted it. And, um, a week later I was crammed on a bus and, uh, on my way. So, so I, I mean, I couldn't even imagine personally, especially talking to your parents before you went in as well. I must have been very difficult for you at the time, but turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Because if you ha- if that hadn't have happened, you would have kept going. I imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And who knows what would have happened? Mm. Overdose. I could have got. I mean, I've been robbed, so I could have, you know, a gunfight, something crazy. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to say this statement, but prison was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, and I can I can see why. I know it sounds crazy, but I can, in your, in your scenario, I can see why. Yeah. And so how, cause prison is all, all about reform. Well, it's supposed to be anyway. Supposed not, to be, yeah. There you go. Not, yeah. yeah. Not everyone goes in and comes out a new man or woman, but you did. So how, what were your steps to reforming yourself whilst you're in prison? What, what, what did you do to better yourself? Yeah. Well, one of the big things that I share for all the listeners is you got to have a game plan. Like that's one of the most important things is what I found that has allowed me to transform my life both inside and since getting out um, is having that game plan in place. And I didn't have a game plan. When I first got there, I had the intentions to change. A lot of the listeners can resonate with this. We have the intentions to uh, lose the weight. We have the intentions to uh, make better decisions in you know whatever area of our life we have the intentions to you know write the book, start the podcast, uh, start the business, all these great intentions, but without a game plan to follow, steps, specific intentional steps that are going to get us to the results that we want, what ends up happening is we just stay where it's comfortable. We 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 make the resolution and then by February we forget about it. It's gone. It's over with. Ah, all right, it wasn't meant to happen. It wasn't my time. When we you know we justify it. But the the big thing is you got to have a game plan in place for what it is that you want to create. So for me, I wanted to create this big change, this transformation. So the problem is I didn't know how to go about doing that. I wasted my first six months while I was in prison, completely wasted it. I started glorifying my past, wearing it as a badge of honor, trying to fit in with the wrong crowd, trying to, you know, talk about the drugs and the money and the, you know, whatever. Um, I even started selling and smoking cigarettes while I was inside prison. It's interesting because what they'll do is you'll take like a normal cigarette and you'll chop it into like six to eight small little pieces. And then you sell those pieces. That's how you sell cigarettes in prison. Um, and I was doing that. <laughs> what was it? For anyone needing to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little fun fact, right? So you, you and then, and then they, they, you get these little tiny chunks. And then you open them up, open them. And then you put the tobacco in another like, thin, thinly, thinly roll. And then you roll that up. So, but literally selling chunks of like little tiny chunks of cigarettes. And so I started doing that. And at the six month mark, I remember like saying to myself, Eric, what are you doing? I had just gotten into a fight. Like there was like definitely some drama in the dorm. And I, and I realized like, I'm going to waste my entire four years. I'm going to come out the exact same person, if not worse, if I don't do something different. And real quick, I'd put this back on the listeners right now and ask, and I'd ask you, let me, let me put some pressure on you right now. 
if the, that area that you want to see change in, that place in your life that you want to see growth, that thing, whatever it is that's been holding you back, that's been causing friction that you want to get rid of, if six months from today or one year from today, if you're in the exact same place as you are now, how are you going to feel? No See, changes. I, I know. I, I literally made a LinkedIn post about this yesterday. And it was, it was literally, it's like, even if it's just starting, it was like something, I, I can't remember exactly how I phrased it, but it was just start by running one lap. Start by doing one push-up. Start by right. attending one network. Just by doing that first step. The first step is always the hardest. Right. But you are go- your future self is going to hate your present self for not starting if you didn't like how many times I, cause this is something I always look at. I wanted to, there's so many things I've wanted to do and I get six months down the line. I think, why didn't I start that then? Why am I starting it now? Cause if I were already right. six months in, how far could I have got to this point today? Like it's right. crazy. And then I get, then you get annoyed with yourself. So you end up starting, but I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, that, that was, uh, having the game plan was definitely the starting point for me. Um, when I, when I woke up at that six month mark and called myself out, one of the big realizations I had was Eric, like I had to face my biggest enemy up until that point, which was myself. I had to come to terms with that. Right. And so at that point it's like, all right, well, what do I have to change? Well, I don't know. What do I have to do? So I reached out to my brother. He's a, um, he's like the exact opposite of me. He's golden child, Stanford graduate, Ivy league, uh, university. Uh, he went on to become a professional tennis player, then went on to become a successful entrepreneur. Like he, he is the polar opposite as far as his like chart of his, you know, how his structure of life, um, incredible human. And I reached out to him. I said, Jeff, man, I need your help. I need your help. And I said, I want to change, but I don't know how. And he said, I want you to start by reading two books that I'm going to send you. And then after that, we're going to get on a coaching call once a week from this point on. And we're going to turn this thing around. And that together, we created my, uh, my game plan. What were those first two books? Yeah, that's, always the, that's always the question after the, I mentioned the books. Uh, the first one was Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. And the second one was Timothy Ferris, The Four-Hour Workweek. I've got both of them up on my shelf up there and Love i endorse it. them as well they are look at that the great start for anyone because i've always said i wasn't i never used to be a big reader and i just found that i didn't like any of the books i was actually reading and then i came across all these self-help books now i can't put them down so i've just got them all up on my shelf now and i'm plowing through as many as possible so love it two great recommendations everyone should read them yeah for sure so your brother played a big part in your reformation then yeah yeah for sure he, he he definitely got me started on the personal development journey and then from there the other big component for me was stretching my comfort zone that was a huge thing while i was going through prison and and since getting out i've been out for a little over two years now so i just mentioned having a game plan whatever you want to do have intentional steps that you're taking to get there the other big thing is stretching your comfort zone and ask yourself, and I'll put it back, let me put it back on the listeners right now. Where mm. in your life can you stretch your comfort zone right now to start getting better results? For a lot of people, if you have health and fitness goals, hiring that trainer or coach who you know is going to push you past your so-called limits, that's huge. That's stretching your comfort zone, you're going to start getting better results. If you just started a business, I know for me, one of the focus areas that I, I was never taught finances growing up never taught finances. 
So me learning finances is out of my comfort zone. It's not something that, that, but I need to know my numbers. I have to have my data for my business. So this is an area that I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to grow in, right? I'm taking action in. So it's, if, if, if you want to, we go hiring the financial planner who know, who you know is going to put the microscope down on all the questionable decisions you've been making, but then give you the budget, give you the game plan to follow and hold you accountable to getting you to that better place, right? Where can you stretch your comfort zone in your life right now that's going to start getting you better results? And that was a big thing for me while I was going through prison. I was constantly stretching my comfort zone. I was doing things that the old me would have never done. There was about a two-year period in there where every day I woke up, breakfast is at 4.30 in the morning in, the, uh, uh, for, in, in there. So at the dorm would wake up, we'd go to breakfast. It's like a, a you know, a factory line. It's they're herding us in and out of, you know, like cattle. And so we, we wake up, we go in there, we go to chow, we eat, we come back to the dorm and we get back four forty-five, five, you know, whatever. And, um, at that point, most of the officers who have in, in the control room, they'll turn the lights back off in the bedding area and they'll let everybody, everybody goes back to sleep. Right. And the first count, first count where everybody has to be up is seven o'clock. So that gives me two hours of the only time, the only time that you can actually get peace and quiet. And what most officers will do is we have that, we have a day room. Every dorm has a day room where they have your, you know, couple tables to play cards on, benches to sit and watch the TV. Um, it's the day room. Most officers, they'll leave the light on in the day room. So that way, what I would do is I'd go in that day room at when I got back from breakfast and that's where I would do my uh, reading. That's where I would do my writing, my journaling, and that's where I would do my meditation. And I did that for about a solid two years straight term of that. And that was huge growth for me, but that was stretching my comfort zone. It was so much easier to sleep in until, you know what I mean? Go back to bed. That's what, that's what my body wanted. But stretching my comfort zone, that allowed me to definitely level up. And, and same thing for speaking. When I, when, I, when I was introduced to speaking in prison, I was invited to the Gavel Club. And the Gavel Club is like this class that's all about public speaking. And I'll tell you this, man. Like when I got invited to this class, my thought process was not at the start was not like, yeah, let me go. Tony Robbins, he's a motivational speaker. I need to go. I need to, you know, the big names. I need to go check this out. That's not how my mind was. My mind was, I thought of two things. I thought of my thoughts came, some of my thoughts came from fear and some of my thoughts came from ego. So ego sounded a lot like this. It sounded like, man, these guys aren't doing what I'm doing. They're not, they're not taking change seriously. They're not making, you know, they're, they're not taking the action that I'm taking. I've already got my morning routine in place. So if I go, it's just going to mess it up. You know? Yeah. I don't know if this is for me, right? That those were, those were thoughts of ego. Fear sounded a lot like this. Well, man, I've never given a speech before. What if I mess up? What if, what if they put me on the spot and I look stupid? What if I, uh, what if I freeze? I don't know what to say. Yeah. You know what? I don't think this is for me. So like that's, we'll do that to ourselves. We will talk ourselves out. We'll overthink and then we'll talk ourselves out of doing something good for bad reasons. That is something we will do as, as humans. And what I had to do when I recognized, because I had conviction that morning, I had to make a decision. He invited me. I had a day to think about it. And, I, and, and my thoughts were not really going in the direction of, of attending, but I felt convicted. I said to myself, you look at the Tony Robbins, the first book that I got, this guy's the biggest motivational speaker in the world. If he's doing public speaking, why would you not go? 
They're talking about growth. This is an alignment with like, go check it out. And so all I had to do was one thing, one thing. And I did, I stretched my comfort zone that morning and I went to that freaking class and I ended up loving it. And I ended up signing up. I ended up going back and giving my icebreaker, which is like a four to six minute entry, like level, like bio. It's your first talk. And I fell in love with speaking from stage. And I went on to win a contest while I was in prison. And then I went, it, went on to compete against two other prisons. And I was published in a local newspaper all while I was being incarcerated. And that all happened because of my willingness to stretch my comfort zone and reach out for something greater. That's incredible, man. Especially doing that all whilst you're inside, like having that motivation. Was there anyone else that you did it with, with that inspired you whilst you're in there as well, that you went and read with, worked on your speaking with, and just threw ideas back and forward, or was it just you? Yeah, so up until that point where I got invited to Gavel Club, it had been private. The, door, the, the compound that I was at before I got transferred, because I, I, I went to three different compounds. The compound I was originally at, that I started at, this was like the wild, wild west. This was not, this was not a, good, a good spot to be in. So I was very much like, you know, reserved in my own thing. You know, I had a couple people that I spoke with, but it, it, it was different. The, when, I got, when I transferred, I got to this new compound. It was, it was a different vibe. And, um, and so there were people who were practicing growth. There were people in the education building that were doing some cool things. And, um, and so I, I had met some people who are still friends to this day. Um, and they're doing some great things. And I was running, we ran masterminds before I even knew what a mastermind was. I put together a mastermind in the dorm. We went through, um, John Maxwell's 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. And, um, so we were doing some cool things in there and yeah, there was a couple people who I definitely, um, you know, we, we, we linked up and, uh, we were making some moves for sure. And I mean, once you've spoken in front of criminals, I mean, you could almost speak in front of anyone. I'm sure. <laughs> could you have yeah, a scare? It's very easy. It's easy to speak in front of convicts. They're completely captive. They're not going <laughs> anywhere. They're, they're locked down. They're forced to stay there, but they're forced could, to stay and listen to you. So if you're afraid of speaking, just go speak to some, go to the jail and yeah, your audience is going to, they're not, no one's getting up. So then <laughs> they're not being, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not like they're pay, getting paid to get there and they're not, not getting paid to be there. So just, yeah, great. So if, can you, can, did you get guest speakers come into prison? Yeah, we had a couple guest speakers. Um, nobody big. I didn't have any big names. There was, um, yeah, there's one, they're, they're definitely multiple six figure earners. They speak at primarily schools around the country. Um, and they're based out of Florida. It's a, it's a mom of, so it was a drunk driver. He, 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 um, he was a drunk driver who crashed into a car and killed two people. One of the daughters that one of the girls that he killed, this, this was the mom. And so about maybe six, seven years after he goes to prison, the mom and him end up like, developing a relationship and a friendship and together they decided that we should go out and share our story of the, the mom of the deceased girl from the drunk driver and the drunk driver himself and together they go out and speak to schools incredible story um and, and an incredible speech that we got to that was the coolest that was the one that we got to experience that was awesome uh but other than that not not really any big guest speakers would come in there there's no budget for it so Mm, yeah, true. So what, what was the first thing you did when you got out? What, what did you do on your first day out of prison? Yeah. 
Well, we, we got food. Food was a big thing for sure. Um, Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Oh, man. So I, I wish I still knew that the reason why I probably don't know this, like the food I ate that day was because I had already been at um, work release. Work release is kind of like the transition between prison and freedom. So I had already been eating like whatever I wanted, but I still lived at a work release center. So I didn't have like full access. So we, we went out to a family dinner. That was one. I can't remember where we went. Um, but one of the first things I did during the daytime, I went and got a gym membership right away. That was the first day. And I actually did a video that I posted on YouTube and I'm bringing my YouTube channel back, by the way, it's the videos that I, that are on there now are, are within, I think they were all taken within the first six months of my release. So we're looking at about two years ago. Um, and they're just, they're not, the, they're not the best. I mean, it's good content, but they're just not the best quality videos. And um, but I did a video my first day out. I didn't know anything social media, like as far as branding or marketing or any of the stuff that I that I coach on and do now. But I, yeah, I got the camera out and I said, I'm going to share something. And I shared some thoughts on gratitude and, and I put a video up on YouTube. That was one of the first things I did as well. Awesome. And it's good that, it's good that you wanted to get going straight from the day you got out as well. At least you were, you didn't sit on your ass all day and do nothing as soon as you yeah. got out and appreciate and he- fact you could do that you were pretty much get out and get going yeah take action and ethan i'll even mention like dude i was overthinking that i was definitely in my head that day about should i really do this video what are people gonna think am i gonna look stupid maybe this is too soon maybe i need to prove myself more i need to get some accolades under my like all these thoughts and you know what i said you know what i did i stretched my comfort zone i said no man you want to put the video do the video get it out there and nothing came of the video, but I'll tell you what came, what, what did come of it. So nothing came from the actual video. I didn't get any speeches. I didn't land any stages. I didn't get any clients. Um, but here's what happened. It put me in a position from that day forward that this device here that we have in our hands all the time, we can use that to share our stories and impact people. And it eventually allowed me to step into my coaching business, which allowed me to leave my, the nine to five. So I do, you know, that one video right there was, I think, a big factor in what was to come. For sure. And that's the sim- it's a similar thing for when I started my podcast. And I look back at, I listened to the first episode the other day and I, yeah. sound, like an, I sound like a nervous wreck talking because I had no right to be talking to this seven-figure entrepreneur on the other side of the camera. I, he, and, and, for, and I seriously appreciate him give me the chance to be like he knew it was going to get next to no views being my first episode i had no personal brand at that point i'm still growing my personal brand but he didn't he gave me the chance and i will ever be grateful for him for giving me that chance but i was i was nervous man i didn't know what to expect but now i look back at that and think oh what was i so worried about i now jump on these calls and love every if we if we if we look at the like the the event at the end they're never as bad as we think they're going to be for sure we always survive or, you know, I mean, like, maybe not the best choice of words, but like, if we do come out on the other end, right, you know, we just saw a huge tragedy here in the States. And that's why I say that is like, life is short. So that's why I'm kind of like backtracking on my words there. We know life is short, and we can lose it any time. But when we do these challenging moments, and we and we work through them, um, it's like the it's like the student who's scared about college and nervous and what's going to happen. And then it's like three years in, you ask that student, how's it going? They're like, yeah, you know, it's it's we build up these fears before we even get in the in the muck in the mix. 
And there's just no need for that. Just take action, move through it. You're going to, you're going to definitely do better than you think. You're going to, you know, don't be so hard on yourself, right? Just take action. For sure. So how did it feel when you ended up getting your, your first client then on your entrepreneurial journey? Oh man. So my first client was, um, my first client came out of social media, of Instagram, and she reached out to me and she says, Hey, I love what you're doing. looks like you've made some huge changes in your life. You think you could help me out? And I had no idea what life coaching was. Like I have no, I heard about it cause I was coaching in prison. I had a, I had some guys who towards the end were coming up to me like, Eric, man, you're operating to a different beat. Like, help me out. What do I got to do? And when I recognized that I enjoyed working with these guys, I called my brother and I said, Jeff, I said, I think I need to become a therapist when I get out. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, and I had never heard of life coaching. He's like, I'll show you when you get out. If you still want to help people and coach them, I'll, I'll show you what you can do. So we're talking about nine months after I get out of prison and I'm, I'm in the fitness space now and I'm, I'm help, you know, I'm, I'm heavy in that and I'm preparing for a, uh, at that point I, I decided I was going to get on stage as a bodybuilder. And so I was preparing for a show going through prep. Um, I had made some great changes in my physique and I helped my, you know, just help people along the way is that I was meeting. And so this girl reaches out and she wanted more coaching on mindset and confidence issues and so, you know, self, all this, all the things. And so I said, okay, I'll work with you. And I basically drew up a little plan and I told her that I'd, I'd help her out. And I think, I, I think the, she was paying a hundred and $40 a month for four calls. And it's so crazy looking back and, and, and that's, it was okay. Like looking back at it and talking to like coaches who I would be talking to now to get advice from, they would absolutely laugh at the price point that I, I mean, 160 for four one hour calls. Uh, and she stayed with me for like six months. We created huge changes. She lost tons of weight, full transformation. She ended up starting a photography business. Um, like great things happened with her. She's my first client. And, but looking back, it was like, I didn't know what was, but that price point felt right to me. I knew I could add value to her. So I said, let's go, let's do it. And, um, since then, you know, naturally things have evolved, uh, in the coaching business and what I'm doing now and how I'm showing up for, for others and how I'm serving others. Uh, but yeah, that was my first client. So big shout out to you, Caitlin, if you're listening and, uh, yeah. I mean, and I suppose it's just, as you say, you just got to start. It's the first step. And yeah. without that first client, you've got to build that portfolio. That, that was your start. That's what led you to where you are now. So tell us a little bit about how it's developed, what it is today. What do you actually do now? Yeah, absolutely. So my bread and butter has always been speaking. That's for sure. And I've taken my foot off the gas a little bit. Not now. Um, earlier, my foot was not on the gas, I should say. I didn't take it off. I just wasn't pursuing speaking like I am now. Um, and that's going back to what you just said a little earlier. I kicked myself in the butt. Like, Eric, man, you could have been, you could have been so much further ahead in your speaking career if you just would have started right out of the gate. And um, I was definitely had some shiny object syndrome and trying to just try different things and, you know, whatnot. But so my bread and butter is definitely speaking. And, um, I, I primarily speak to the youth sector. So middle schools, high schools, um, I've done a, I've done one college here. I've done a college in Orlando and, um, uh, some entrepreneurial events, uh, but speaking is my bread and butter. And then as far as the coaching, I had success in the fitness and life coaching space. Prices went up. I started getting more clients and, um, I was mentoring under some, some awesome names as far as coaches, uh, Craig Ballantyne, Vince Del Monte, 
uh, Dean Jackson, Todd Brown, some, I mean, we're talking some, like some of the best marketers and, and business coaches out there. And I had the, the, I mean, just so grateful. I've been able to get rooms that I had no business being in and, and learning from these guys. And, um, and so I had success in my own coaching business. And so what happened is people were coming to me. It started with one of my good friends. Um, he came to me, Mike, he came to me and said, Hey man, I see that you're doing good in your thing. I see that you've been mentoring under Vince for the last six months. Um, could you show me how to get my, my coaching business off the ground? And he was a full-time trainer at a gym. And so um, I basically said, yeah, let me put something together for you. And I, I uh, put together a, a genius model for him. I followed talking more, the genius model method. And I put together what, what, what felt right to me as far as how I could add value to this guy and his business and, and his life. And um, I offered him a deal, a price, and he, and he jumped on it. So we did it. And he had about $1,000 in sales for the entire year up until this point um, uh, working with me. And when we did our first launch together, uh, he brought in $10,500 in new online business. So we were like, yo, this works. Like, this is super legit. And I'm like, you know, so happy about it. And so um, – <laughs> I've, I've been, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and so I've been primarily since that point, um, I've been working with new coaches, you know, whatever their space is, whatever their expertise is, um, you know, whatever they specialize in helping people. I, I've been working with new coaches, uh, develop and start their brand and scale to their first 5k month, uh, in online business. And I've been working with new speakers, helping them do the same thing, develop their brand and scale their speaking business to get their first paid speech. So I'm really passionate right now about focus, focus. I'm really focused and passionate about working with new speakers and coaches and giving them the tools, the blueprint that they need to leave the nine to five. Like I've been able to do uh, just a little over two years out of prison, no college education, convicted felon. Uh, but I show up whole heart centered uh, ready to help people. And if, and, and these people want to do the same, they just don't have the mechanics in place. So my, my big thing is like, you shouldn't have to go take out a business loan. You shouldn't have to spend 20 K 15 K 10 K to be a part of the mastermind or accelerator at the start. At the start, you just need foundational steps. And so I'm showing up wholeheartedly for them, new coaches and speakers to give them the steps they need to get over the hump and to start producing in their business. For sure, man. And that's so, and I'm so happy for you that you've actually been able to do this as well. Cause it's, it, you clearly just went through the rough patch. You were born to do what you're doing now and you can tell you've got so oh, much I, energy. I appreciate that, man. That's huge. That's a, that's an awesome statement. Thank you for that. No. And I, and I'm, that's coming from the heart, heart as well. Like you, you can tell you can want to do this. You're so passionate about it and you, you speak so freely about it as well with such confidence and it just sounds like you were born to do this and you finally found that passion and now you're just running with it. Like you've done, you've been through that shit part. You've been to prison. You've realized, Oh, I need to get my life together now. And you've done it. And that is so inspiring because there's people out there complaining that they cannot do it. And they're complaining, Oh, they didn't get good grades. You didn't get good grades and you went to prison. That's like the CV you don't want. Right. But you've created this for yourself. You'd said you didn't need, you, you're not working a nine to five. So you don't need the CV. You are working for yourself and you've got a great story as well. So when you're actually talking on stage, I mean, it's like you're talking on this podcast. Now the story you are telling is inspiring. People will be moved by your story. So I congratulate you. I appreciate on... that. Ethan. I do, man. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It feels good. I'm, I mean, it's been a journey, but 
Um, I'll say like the biggest thing is showing up. Um, it's, you know, those two big components that I mentioned earlier, stretching your comfort zone, um, having a game plan. Those are two big factors, but another big one that stands out is just, uh, showing up to add value. Like how can you add value in the world? That's a question I've asked myself since day one. How can I add value to people's lives? And when you, when you ask that, and then you're in alignment with who you are and, and, um, what you can do. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny how doors open opportunities present themselves because you're coming from a heart centered approach and you're looking to add value in people's lives. You know, you're, you're putting plans in place and you're taking specific action steps to get there. Uh, and you're stretching your comfort zone and you're trying new things. It's like this magic formula, but it really isn't. It's just, um, believe me, if whoever our listeners out there, you 100% can create the change that you want in your life. You have to just believe that you're worth it. And if you don't believe you're worth it, what I would encourage you to do is start taking baby steps, baby steps, start waking up a little bit earlier and, and, and try med- meditating, stretching, uh, reading one page, uh, in the morning uh, of a positive book. Don't even, you don't have to do the chapter, read a page. Start taking baby steps to feel better about yourself because when you believe and you, and hey, you know what? I'm worth this change. I want this change like I did at the start of my sentence or at that six-month mark when I kind of woke up. Um, that's when all of a sudden you can start gaining momentum, right? Because one of the things I tell my clients, small changes bring on big improvements, big change. I'm sorry, small, sorry, small action, small steps bring mm. on big changes. It's small yeah. steps. It's like, you know, you just got to start. And I love the book one as well, because even if you say you read 10 pages a day, that's 12, that's, that's a book a month. That's 12 books a year. You're reading 12 more books than someone who doesn't read 10 pages a day. For and sure. think of all the knowledge you're gaining from 12 books a year. Yep. It's cumulative. It's just, it's a no brainer. Just do the baby steps. And I love that. So I just want to ask, and I asked you to prepare for this before the, before we jumped on the call, but it's two, your two biggest failures in your entrepreneurial journey so far. And this is something I like asking all of my guests. So, but with you, we're going to focus it from two different aspects. One failure before you went into prison that you consider to be like an infliction point and turning point that you consider to be the biggest failure you had. And then your biggest failure in your entrepreneurial journey so far as well. So let's start with the one before you went into prison. Before I went into prison, it was caring too much about what other people thought about me. And, and that, that, can, that can still show up in so many ways um, but I, I, for, for so many people. But, but for me, like, I cared so, so much about what my peers thought about me that I would take action that I knew was not in alignment with my values, that I knew, like, it was just, I didn't care though, as long as that spotlight was on me, as long as I got their approval, as long as I was considered cool, like whatever, I was going to do it. And so I'd say the biggest failure that I constantly walked with was this lack of identity, lack of confidence of who I am. And I was willing to mold myself and change to fit other people's, what they wanted to see, what what they, you know, what they liked. And uh, yeah, so I would say that's the biggest one, caring too much about what others think about me, thought about and me. I th- and I think that's a huge one as well at the moment, especially with the social media pressures nowadays. For sure. So, and it's, just, it's, it's so obvious in young people as well. Now, I've got a younger sister and I th- she, I'm, she won't like me saying this, but she does feel, you can tell she feels pressured by what she sees on social media. And people that say they don't, I think in some aspects are lying. We all think that we should be achieving more because of what we see on social media. We all fall victim to it, but it's how much we let it affect us 
and it's something that I've been trying to better myself on recently as well is and it has since I have started sharing my podcast and sharing my feelings on LinkedIn and Instagram and things like that I've cared a hell of a lot less the backlash comments don't affect me and things like that people disagree with me it's just knock it by don't retaliate and, and part it's part of the game it is it is and you just grow as, as a result and just it is a huge thing just don't give a damn what other people think because at the end of the day if you're succeeding they're just jealous they're jealous that you're succeeding and they're not and that's the only reason that they're gonna hate on you yeah i've got on my board uh, ahead of me on my whiteboard right in front of me i've got a couple different statements uh one of the ones that relates to this keep your blinders on mm. keep your blinders on you know when the horses are racing they've got those little blinders yeah. on the sides of their eyes so they can't they're, they're focused on their next step keep your blinders on what's the other one out of interest yeah uh, oh i've got uh i've got let's see i've got take action and become active uh i've got purpose passion prosperity impact influence and income and then i've got over drinking over partying and over sleeping equals underperforming all great all great points and i can see why you look at them all the time <laughs> so sure. what would you consider to be the biggest failure in your entrepreneurial journey so far then yeah so Man, there's there's a, definitely a couple things. I think one of the ones is the delay of action. Uh, it's the overthinking. It's the why, like I tried, I got my, uh, the first nine months that I was out, I uh, dabbled in the real estate investing. I had a mentor, which that would have, that could have turned out great. That's a whole nother story. We never closed on a house. We walked a bunch of properties. I, I got to learn that space, which was incredible. Uh, but it was time wasted because nothing took, you know, nothing came of it. Um, I started a co-founded with a buddy of mine, a car sales company, uh, Luxor auto group. And we, we sold, we went to the auction and picked up a couple cars and, you know, in the two to three K range. And, um, we ended up selling those and it was all right. But what, what we realized is this isn't filling us. Like there's no passion here. In fact, I didn't even feel good after the first round going to the auction and dealing with those people. Like it did, it didn't resonate with me. It didn't feel good. It was strictly just for money. It was for monetary gain. And that's what I was doing before selling drugs for monetary gain. So the, the biggest failure I'd say one of them is like going after shiny objects and not staying true to the, to, to what feels right, to what you're passionate about, to where you can truly add value. Because if I would have been focused on speaking that entire time, I would be right now a year and a half ahead of where I'm at right now. And I've made great progress and I'm doing great things in, in my speaking uh, career and um, it's, you know, taken off, but it's that time wasted, right? Of overthinking of, of, you know, doubt. I had doubts that I could do it. I had doubts that, that anybody wanted to hear me speak that I was, uh, you know, good enough. I had all those doubts. And so, you know, those types of things right there, they, they stopped me from taking action. So one of the biggest failures I'd say would be the lack of action, overthinking, uh, and just not moving. Right. And I love you. I love what you say about the money, not being everything as well. Cause they say it's, it's not what you get. It's who you become in terms of when you become successful it's who sure. at the end of the day it is who you become it's not all about all these materialistic things the shiny objects and and so on and so forth so it's as you say staying true to your values is the main thing what's the point in having all of these nice things if people think you're an asshole and you can't right. share those with the people that love you and have followed you throughout your journey stuck by your side 
if you become an arsehole, they're not going to want to spend the time with you. And what, so what's the point? What's the point in having money, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And having no one by your side. So staying true to yourself, staying true to your roots, where you came from, and forever standing by the people that are by you. And that's something that I always like to look at. But no, another great point. And and no one's made that point either as well yet. So well done for that. I have a final five. It's how I like to round off all my episodes. Final five. It's catchy. That's why I like to call it the final five. Um, Quick fire questions, quick fire answers. First question. Who is the first person that comes to mind when I say the word successful? Tony Robbins. Yeah. Any, any specific reason? Just the impact he's making in the world. Um, the amount that he's donating. Like for me, I'm continuing to donate more as I continue to, my income comes up. Like I, if, 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 if I, if it feels on my heart to give, like I give and I challenge myself that recently I gave, uh, uh, $20. It was, um, I finished filling out a form or whatever. And then they gave me a whole bunch of different places to donate and I could put the amount in and I did five here, five here, five here. And I got to 20 bucks and my mind was like, yeah, do I I really want to donate $20? Like maybe just 10. And I went to take back five and five and I was like, Eric, what are you doing? Like you stop, donate the freaking $20. Like it's going to come back to you. And and it's just, it, I think as you level up, as you continue to um, create more wealth for yourself and you're making a bigger impact, more income, you need to give back. And Tony is just incredible as far as how much all of the different funds he has that's going all over the place. And um, so I, I think that just is an example of, of his success past, you know, his own monetary gain, but the impact he's using it out in the world. So it's a similar sort of thing, never there, um, especially on, so in London, you have the tubes and there is the circle line which is the yellow one and basically they're long trains that you can walk the whole way through and it's often that homeless people will get on one end and just walk down the whole tube begging for money and most of the time you just turn a blind eye to them because they're at the end of the day you don't know their story and that's fair enough that's a completely different part of the equation but this guy was walking down and he said I'm homeless. I know it's not your problem. And I instantly looked up and I thought, no one's ever said that. Like a homeless yeah. guy, the first thing they go is, I need money. I'm homeless. And this guy went, I know this isn't your problem. And I thought, fuck it. Like, I'd love to that opening. So I pulled out my wallet and I gave him money. It's just the way he put it across was so much nicer. Yeah. So it's like giving back. You, you, it felt right to you. And so you took yeah. action on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just the fact, the way he worded it, I sort of looked up and thought, you're right. Like the what you're saying is completely true. So here it is, and and it was quite shocking. Like I, you normally no one will pull their wallet out, but this in this tiny little section, five or six people pulled out their wallets for this guy, and I was like, okay, this guy's got something going here. Right. He's he's got a good little good little catch, a good for, little opening line, good little mar- yeah. uh, some his marketing messages are on point. That is what someone needs to hire this guy as their marketer. <laughs> but okay, moving on. Question number two. What is the best investment you've ever made? So this can be monetary, it can be with your time, your energy, or simply an Amazon purchase, I guess. So I'm not going to, I don't want to, I don't want to give any specific because these, I've had multiple and they've all played mm-hmm. different roles, but coaches. Yeah. Coaches have been my best investments all day. Coaches, programs, um, you know, anything, but, but yeah, that's hundred percent. That's allowed me to consistently level up. Um, and that's allowed me to give, you know, allows me to give more to my clients. It allows me to show up and, and deliver more value and it gives more, me more confidence in my craft. So hundred percent coaching. For sure. Investing in yourself is the way forward. Do you have a quote that you live by or think of often? 
I mean, you've already noted five that are on your wall, but is there anyone that stands particularly out? Um, man, I, I think the biggest, I live kind of by like my, my quote, I have two quotes that I came up with that I, I, I this, I don't know if this is egotistical or not, cause there are some incredible, yes. incredible quotes. Fine. I just don't have them memorized. So like none was really coming to my head. Um, but my, the, the small steps create huge change. That's a big one for me. And, uh, then the other one is, um, create the vision. Um, what is it now? Now I'm blanking on this one. This is mine. Um, uh, <laughs> it's create the vision and something and then execute one step at a time. I, something like that. I could pull it up, but yeah. So, um, it, it, for me, it's, it's like, I think those are both very action oriented and it's going back to, we overthink I've been, I've done this so many times, like stop overthinking and just move, stretch your comfort zone and just go take action. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we've made that point. I think people just need to, and it's, 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 it's fair enough to make the point so many times as well. Cause I think people don't, they may, they see it all the time and they still don't. It's how long will these people take listening to these points being made about just taking action before they actually do. So you need to keep drilling it down their throats. <laughs> what advice would you give to your 20 year old, 20 year old self? This is probably quite a big one for you. Hmm. Man, um, I think I think it definitely falls under that, you know, the going back to the maturity level and recognizing that you're playing with your life here and that your actions have consequences. And right now you're feeding and putting energy into something that's going to give you a really, really bad return. And you need to recognize that just having that serious heart to heart, like you're on your way. You are on your way to self-destruction. You don't even recognize, you don't realize it. So I think conversation along those lines are, was, is what, was what I'd have. And this is just a side note. Do you regret what happened? Because I suppose without it, you wouldn't be where... Correct. No, I have no regrets at all, man. And, and it's because my, at the time, for whatever reason, I made decisions to do that. And those decisions, even now, decisions that I'm making now that have you know, have been maybe not the best, whether it's for business or whether it's in a relationship, like these different things that I know, but I'm learning from them, you know, like we're human. And, and it's like the, what we have to do is we have to just take those and we have to recognize them. We have to appreciate them. And then we have to move on them, right? We have to learn from them and then keep going. Like that's, that's what life's about. So, um, no, definitely. I don't regret any of it. They, they served me and they brought me to where I am today. And, and that's, yeah. Awesome. Final question of today's episode. And it's a morbid question to end the episode on, but it is an interesting question that I've asked in every episode so far. And it's, are you afraid of dying? Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is a, okay. I didn't expect that one. Um, no, I am not. I am not. Um, what I am afraid of is not fulfilling my like not leaving a legacy not fulfilling my um you know where i not making the impact that i want to make not fulfilling my destiny like those things that scares me a little bit before i go but the actual going um yeah no there's no fear there i I haven't i don't give it much thought but there's no fear there so if anything the fear comes from like not showing up and and making the impact i want to before I, i is my time for sure and knowing that you've got 
so much more ahead of you and so much more that you can actually achieve. You just haven't achieved it yet. That's it. Awesome. Awesome way to end the episode. And thank you very much. But where can my listeners follow up with you? What are your social channels? Where can they follow up? If they've got any questions they want to ask you, yeah, spread, ab- spread the ab- word. Absolutely. And, and feel free. I'm, I'm all about connection. And at the end of the day, it's not, uh, it's, it's even a simple conversation. I tell my followers, this is, uh, reach out to that person. So if, if you ever hear, whether it's on a podcast or on social media, somebody who inspires you, motivates you, or gives you a thought provoking question that stirs some emotion and then you act on it and you get a positive result, like whatever the chain of reactions are, reach out to that person because one you're going to feel better and there's going to be, you're making that connection, but two, you have no idea what that person then may give you. They may give you another gem that, that could give you the next, hit you to the next level, right? Like reach out to those people. So I invite each and every one of you do not hesitate. If my message, my story, if what I'm doing in the world um, you believe could add value in your life and help you out, then definitely uh, send me a direct message. Uh, You can find me on uh, Instagram is my last name at, Salzenstein. That's S A L Z E N S T E I N. And then uh, Eric Salzenstein. That's Eric with a K uh, on Facebook. My website, uh, ericsalzenstein.com. And uh, yeah, I'm here to serve. So at the end of the day, if you're looking for an impactful, dynamic speaker, you want me to come speak to your team or audience, I'd be more than grateful to do that. And we can, we can talk about that. Or if you are a new coach or a new speaker, who's looking to share your message and make a bigger impact if, uh, uh, in the world. And then, then yeah, definitely reach out to me and we can see if and how I can help you there as well. So, uh, Ethan has been a pleasure, man. I really appreciate sure, you man. On and love what you're doing. So. No, I thank you for that. And the, honestly, the pleasure is mine. And I will leave all of those links in the show notes below. So people don't have to remember them, just scroll down and they'll be there. Perfect. Awesome. But Eric, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of CEO Journals. It's been an absolute blast and I can't wait for everyone to hear it. There it is. Thank you, brother. Cheers, man. So that's going to wrap up today's episode of the podcast and I can't thank you all enough for listening. I aim to interview some of the most incredible business owners and entrepreneurs every single week. So you can really help me out by smashing that subscribe button and by leaving me a five-star review over in the iTunes store. It literally takes two seconds and will help me secure some of the greatest names in business as guests on the show. Make sure you tune into the next episode where I'm going to be talking to another incredibly interesting guest. I'll be discussing their journey and providing tips to all your aspiring and current business owners. Have a lovely rest of your day. And once again, thank you for tuning in to CEO Journals.